Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price It Business Show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. So always love having you on the program, uh, General Jeff, Jeffrey Schlozer, retired general. Um, love having him on the program. He brings so much perspective on everything from national security to leadership issues and more. And uh, he's both a personal favorite and a show favorite. Always love having you on the program. Welcome to back, uh, General. Talk a little bit about, uh, first of all, your book, which I love and highly recommend, and uh, some of the things you've done now that you've retired and do now that you've retired from the Army. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Yeah, yeah so the book I wrote about uh, my time in Afghanistan, commanding uh, over 30,000 uh, U.S. Uh, soldiers and sailors, Marines, and airmen. It's called Marathon War, Leadership in Combat in Afghanistan. You know, I mean, I didn't try to predict uh, what would happen in Afghanistan back when I wrote the book, but a lot of it that you see inside the book does kind of foretell uh, just exactly what occurred out there. More likely, though, I think people would find the book helpful as far as how do you lead in, the, in positions of chaos, whether it's in business, whether it's in, uh, you know, government, uh, whatever. And so... Uh, you know, I, I'm proud of the book. I still have a lot of people that uh, talk to me about it, and I think it would be useful for a lot of our listeners to take a glance at. But uh, thanks for allowing me to plug it. It's at uh, You can get it at uh, Amazon.com, but uh, go to my website, Jeff Schlosser, J-E-F-F-S-C-H-L-O-E-S-S-E-R.com, and it will help you uh, wade through it. I've got a blog there on national security items that uh, pertain not only to business but other things. Thanks. Yeah, I love it. Very important book, and I think it's very timely no matter what kind of leadership role you're in or aspire to. You may not be a leader, but aspire to that. And so I, I think it helps uh, for that as well. So this Republican caucus is, is an extremely interesting interesting one, this new uh, House majority, Republican majority. And uh, it, it is the most hostile, in my opinion, to the military, and of course they would use different language. They are pro-neutrality, but but you know some of the things that I'm looking at budget-wise really goes at the uh, essence of the ability for the military to even function. We're talking about some of the most basic as aspects of running an army. And to me, it's bizarre. Um, but this this caucus reminds me so much of the post-World War One Republican crowd, the uh, America First crowd. Of course, we've heard that now since 2016 when uh, Trump ran. Um, very neo-isolationist, um, very we don't care about what's going on around the world. That, that's one of the reasons I think uh, Hitler and uh, the Japanese and, of course, the Italians became so powerful so quickly was because it was very clear that the United States was not going to be a check against it. And World War I may have dragged on another two or three years if the U.S. Uh, had not uh, intervened, which, again, it was forced to intervene in that situation. And uh, so when I think about this isolationist Republican Party, and I think about, um, you know, post-World War One. Uh, United States, very similar. It, uh, you know, what it led to was, uh, I think, the situation leading and spiraling into a world war, where it could have may have been checked earlier with uh, more involvement quicker by the U.S. They did, you know, things like the Lend-Lease Agreement and things like that. I, uh, FDR tried to be as creative as humanly possible, but the message was clear: unless they were directly attacked, they weren't going to get involved. 
Yeah, so I mean, I think that you you're absolutely right. I mean, that, that you know, I think all Americans need to take a hard look at uh, you know the at this caucus and ensure that uh, you know they support people that uh, actually support uh, you know the security of the United States long term. So, you know, there is this I would call it almost like yin and yang within the the current Republican caucus. Uh, you know, on the Hill, uh, especially in the House. You know, on the Senate, I think the Senate will balance it out. I'm also reassured that, uh, you know, Mike Rogers, who is, uh, you know, long-term uh, representative out of Alabama, is actually going to be the House Armed Services Committee chair. Um, you know, this is a person that has long experience in national security affairs, and I don't think he's going to allow uh, at least that committee to go off on a tangent. Uh, we should all be concerned, though, when, you know, this is a very – dangerous world, uh, whether it's, you know, Russia invaded uh, Ukraine and, you know, uh, NATO trying to uh, reinforce Ukraine as well as uh, other allies besides NATO, whether it's a situation of Taiwan vis-a-vis China. Uh, you know, you're recently seeing both, you know, Canada basically adopted a much more Indo, uh, much more aggressive Indo-Pacific uh, uh, strategy. Japan just adopted in its new five-year plan a much more, uh, I would say, aggressive defense plan. They're doing it for real reasons. You know, I mean, and the United States needs to continue to pay attention. We need to play a leadership role, and we cannot have a literally a handful of isolationists, neo-isolationists, uh, take us away from our role in this world, which uh, is important not only for all of our citizens and our allies, but for our business interests. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And, and you know, just for full disclosure, I, I don't consider myself a neoconservative. I don't consider myself, uh, you know, aggressive or militaristic. I do think the United States has to be careful about being the world's police force and, and uh, be involved in nation building when our own nation has so many challenges, including a $30 trillion-plus debt. You know, and, and it goes back to a conversation you and I have had so often is this lack of nuance in developing public Public policy. Everyone takes extreme positions. Uh, you had Josh Hawley saying, "Oh no, we can't support. Uh, you know, uh, we we can't support. Uh, you know, countries that nationally should be in NATO joining NATO because our big problem is China, not Russia." And the reality is, is they were both a problem. They're both a challenge, and that's another thing that frustrates me. Be for peace. I am for peace. I like the concept of peace and strength. Make, make our uh, potential enemies intimidated, like which was centerpiece to Ronald Reagan's uh, foreign policy. Um, but, you know, a lot of these Republicans are essentially apologists for the Russians. To me, it's bizarre. Yeah. Well, you know, it takes you back, as you said, you know, to basically, you know, the last century. Uh, I mean, in some cases, I think a lot of observers, for a lot of us, we'll be looking at it and going, wow, the parties have actually switched or it takes you all the way back, you know, some hundred and some years. What I would just say is that there are some very clear heads still there on the Hill that, that have deep experience. Uh, you know, Kay Granger's another one. She's in charge of, uh, um, you know, from the Texas delegation, but she's in charge of uh, House Appropriations as the chair again. You know, these are people that have deep experience in, in, in keeping America, you know, secure. The issue, I think, is going to be is, is the, for the speaker to get to become the speaker, he gave up a fair amount of power. And, uh, you know, so whether it's the one vote, you know, from anybody in the Republican Party that can uh, call his uh, title into line 
or just the naysayers, the you know a handful, a relative handful of people that are in fact neo isolationists, or who are so uh, disturbed by maybe one part uh, of our national security, uh, uh, you know, either our apparatus, you know, or how it's been framed. Uh, such as, you know, uh, is this a woke, you know, administration and making it into a woke military and things like that, that it take it drives mm. them away from the overall threats. And we cannot, uh, you know, again, we cannot put blinders on. Otherwise, we're going to end up in a world war again, just as you, as you noted. Um, you know, if we take our eye off the ball, what's happening in Russia and what's happening now there in the NATO uh, sphere um, or what's happening in China, you know, in their whole area that they're trying to, uh, in, you know, increase their dominance. If we take our eye off that ball, we will regret it. It may be not next month or next year, but I guarantee you we'll regret it while all of us are alive. Yeah, I think you're true to that. Yeah, you know, and in, in, in the 80s, I referenced that for a lot of reasons because, it was a paradigm shift, I think, in foreign policy that happened in the 80s. Uh, the 1970s was such a debacle was with the Carter administration's policies of appeasement. And you had 13 countries falling to communism. They were so-called non-aligned countries, but, but they were very much aligned with the Soviet Union. They got their funding. They behaved like they were told to behave. 13 countries. In four years, which we don't talk about that very much because they're little countries. But that really drove U.S. foreign policy views and concerns, maybe to an extreme when you look at Nicaragua and, and places like that. But nonetheless, it impacted foreign policies. And, you know, other than Ron Paul, when he was in Congress, I never saw many of these, these isolationists uh, in Congress in the 80s and even well into the 90s and going forward. And then uh, now, you know, those who have had a somewhat traditional, not an aggressive, but a traditional view of uh, defense are all of a sudden uh, often treated by pariahs by the larger caucus or Shh, don't talk like that. Uh, it's, it's very bizarre. Yeah, very fascinating. I mean, you know, and again, I mean, I, you're going to see some of this play out as far as budget uh, battles, because, again, you know, the Congress's right, responsibility is either to fund or not fund uh, certain things. And that's where you're going to see this play out. What is going to be disturbing, I think, for many Americans is where a relatively, and again, I keep using this term, relatively a handful, a minority of, uh, you know, of the, say, the ranking uh, party are able to disrupt what the majority of our elected officials want to do. In other words, I mean, now, many of them definitely realize the role of the na of national security and the, the overall defense of America, citizens, uh, as well as our businesses abroad and, and our economic lifestyle, basically. They realize that when a relatively small handful can either for budget purposes, for ideological purposes, uh, try to waylay that. I think it's going to be it's going to play out, obviously, in the headlines, but it's also going to make deep. It, it'll, it has a possibility of impacting our situation abroad. You know, I mean, appeasement, there's not the, you know, President Carter was not the only one that, uh, you know, basically, you know, changed for, I would say, you know, for a for bad effect, um, you know, our role in, in the world for a lengthy period of time. I mean, you know, it, it, and it took time to recover from that. And uh, if we become known as a nation that doesn't back up, either doesn't take care of its own requirements um, for securing our citizens and our businesses and things of, and, and status abroad. If we can't do that, 
you know, we're going to be a, a third-tier player or second-tier player within a decade, and, and I don't want that to happen. Yeah, yeah, and you know what's interesting about your comment about uh, Carter? You know, it's a, it's, it's a lot of this stuff is a pendulum, you know, foreign policy-wise. I don't care, foreign policy, economic policy. There's very little room, it seems, in the public policy process for nuanced or moderate uh, reasonable positions. It just seems like there's no room for them. And I think that's a lot of our problems. You know, what happened with Carter, it was in many respects a direct reaction to years of being in Vietnam and how unsuccessful that was and really hamster wheel type uh, foreign policy with, you know, with us finding in the Pentagon Papers that the primary objective was U.S. prestige, not preventing the spread of communism. You know, so it goes back and forth, doesn't it? It's very difficult to find a nuanced and reasonable approach. Uh, absolutely. Well, I mean, I, I would just say, you know, I think in closing, Kevin, that, that this is a time for, uh, you know, all Americans that are concerned about, you know, uh, our status either abroad or, you know, secure in our country to pay attention. And uh, don't be afraid to talk to your elected officials about how you see the world. Yeah. What are some uh, final thoughts on, from you on what you think uh, the biggest challenges are going to be in 2023? I want to say 2020, not even 2022. That's how my mind works. But anyway, in 2023, uh, when it comes to foreign policy and national security issues, kind of give us real quickly a yeah. look at the landscape. Yeah, there's going to be three. One, do we continue to arm with more aggressive uh, weaponry, uh, the Ukraine? or continue to allow this thing to grind on with, you know, really thousands and thousands of people being killed. That's number one. Uh, number two is, is North Korea. Uh, they He's just, uh, you know, basically announced that he's going to have an even larger nuclear arsenal, which will threaten America. What are we going to do about that? And then finally, three, we should expect China to continue to pressure Taiwan. It may not bring it to a head this year, but it's going to be coming soon where they're going to make threatening, more threatening uh, moves there in Taiwan. So those are the three top ones in as far as I can see for 23, Kevin. Well, I bet we'll be talking about all three of them as we go along. General Jeffrey Schlozer, always love having you on the program. Give your website, website one more time as we wrap it up. Yeah, J-E-F-F. J-E-F-F-S-C-H-L-O-E-S-S-E-R.com. I know. I, I inherited that name. It's a great name, but it's tough. <laughs> it's a good name for, for it's a good name for a family that wants to do well in spelling bees. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Thanks so much as always, Jeff. Love having you on. I am Kevin Price. More for you after this. <laughs> 